Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I'm your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and I want to jump right in today and talk a little bit about OTAs with the first session of three kicking off this week. A little bit of stadium talk, and I want to talk about Terry McLaurin's contract, and I want to start with Terry, and he's absent from OTAs this week, same with Chase Young, same with Montez Sweat. And we've heard throughout the week that there's been some rumblings as far as Ron Rivera has been on top of Terry McLaurin and his agent and kind of working out contract details. Him and Martin Mayhew said the same thing in Indianapolis at the scouting combine. And if you look at Terry McLaurin, he is a core foundational weapon for Washington moving forward. Is there worry that he's not going to get paid? In my opinion, absolutely not. This is someone that potentially the best wide receiver that Washington has had, even back to the days of Santana Moss or the days with Lavernius Coles and Rod Gardner, or even further back to the days of Gary Clark and Art Monk and his success that he's enjoyed in his first few seasons. Let's not get too caught up in the absences from OTAs with Young Sweat and Terry. The contract situation for Terry will work itself out. I expect from what I've heard is the contract will be figured out and put pen to paper towards the middle to late July. So as you arrive into camp and then with Chase, who's currently working out in Colorado, rehabbing from that ACL and Montez, these are voluntary workouts, folks. A lot of the rookies are in the building. A lot of the new faces are there. We saw Trey Turner. We saw Andrew Norwell, obviously all the draftees, Jahan Dotson running some routes, some glimpses of Percy Butler and Brian Robinson getting in some work, but just let's not overreact to absences from voluntary stuff where these guys are supposed to be franchise cornerstones for your team, not going crazy over a few absences from, you know, an hour and a half workout in May. Now, granted, the team is there, but once we get into mandatory minicamp, when the offense and defense begins to install what they want to do, defense is putting in exotic blitzes or fitting guys in spots, who's going to fill that Buffalo nickel roll, who's going to work behind Young and Sweat rotationally, who's going to work behind Deron Payne and John Allen within the interior. Those are when these things begin to matter. When you get 11-on-11 reps and you're getting 7-on-7 work and you know teams are beginning to really finalize their rosters and make these tough decisions to finalize that final 53 before week one in the coming months. Wanted to let you know that this pod is brought to you by our partners, at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's future bets. And also, don't forget that Major League Baseball is officially back. Who are you picking in the World in the World Series? Is it the Yankees, Astros? Could it be the Nationals? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started. Head on over to the website today and use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. With OTAs, though, kicked off. This is the first session that Washington will have. They have one next week and then working into the following weeks into the 
early to middle early portions of June, but it's really exciting because football is near. And for some of you out there that obviously, you know, not just big with Washington, but you follow college ball or you got a kid or a friend or, uh, you know, someone else that you know close that has high school ball coming up or you got a younger child that's playing peewee. This is kind of the late spring, early summer portion where football really begins to ramp up with off-season workouts and training. And now we're getting to see these guys that Washington spent assets in in the draft and brought in in free agency get on the field, get in the get in you know the burgundy and gold in their uniforms and get to work. And that's the biggest thing that I'm excited about about OTAs. And it's it's fun seeing guys work and one-on-one individual drills and seeing Carson Wentz sling around for the first time and the presence that he offers at the quarterback position, kind of standing next to Taylor Heineke, almost dwarfing, um, you know, Washington's former quarterback, the QB2 now in D.C. Um, But it's just an exciting time. And I think you just kind of take a minute and take a step back and be like, hey, look, football's coming. Football is near. It's right around the corner. It's right over the horizon. And the first few days of OTAs this week have made some splashes. And I know you guys on social media have been kind of seeing the stuff with Carson Wentz and throwing a pick to Cornelder in the first day of, of practice. We stop. Like, why Why talk about Carson Wentz throwing a pick to Cornelder if it's not a big deal? It's not a big deal. He's on a new offense. He's got new faces around him. He's got a new front five, new offensive coordinator, new head coach. All these different things that Carson Wentz is learning. And the negativity is really just, it's tiring. Um, I know, obviously, me being in the media landscape, I try to stay as positive as possible because I know you guys out there are tired of hearing it. It's been 20, 25 years of consistent negativity surrounding this roster. And with Carson Wentz in town, there's optimism. There's a major flag for optimism with this team this fall and the pieces that they have on both sides. And we're seeing Carson Wentz and OTAs deliver to Jahan Dotson and throwing it downfield to Deami Brown in one-on-one work when they're working on press man drills on the outside. And you see these guys start to kind of develop this rapport. And this is where it starts. And granted, it's just individual drills. It's non-contact. Guys are out there in just practice jerseys and t-shirt and shorts. And obviously we know that it gets different when pads start to crack and the contact portion of drills and they get out of shells and just jerseys and really start to hit. Things change. Um, but Carson Wentz, Ryan Robinson, Percy Butler, Deami Brown coming into year two, Jahan Dotson, a lot of these guys have looked good. I mean, even looking at guys like Antonio Gandy-Golden, who has now made the transition to the tight end spot as a big 6'4 talent that Washington used a day three asset, early day three asset on just a few years ago out of Liberty. He's learning the inner workings of the position, and he's working alongside guys like Logan Thomas and Cole Turner, who Washington selected on day three out of Nevada this year, and John Bates, who Washington selected out of Boise State last year, one of the best pure run blockers in all football last year, despite being just a rookie. So all of these inner workings, these inner cogs that are going to be able to kind of progress down the road, hopefully, and you see everybody kind of start to develop in the offense and have their individual roles and how Jahan Dotson is going to work opposite of Terry McLaurin. Will Antonio Ganey-Golden challenge John Bates and Cole Turner for a spot tight end? Or will he be a practice squad guy they kind of tinkered with in his time here in Washington since he came out of Liberty and Washington drafted him? You look at Percy Butler. How will he compare to talents like Cam Curl, Bobby McCain? Where does his role fit in at safety? Is it coming down towards the second level 
Well, he'll compete with guys like Khalid Hudson and Derek Forrest, who Washington drafted last year out of Cincinnati. All these different spots are going to be able to work in to kind of evolve themselves as we move into camp, as we move into mandatory mini camp when everyone is supposed to be there. Now, I'm not sure if Terry will still be there, even though it's mandatory, um, but it's not like it's a big thing that he's not there. He's been there for multiple years. We understand what he offers. I'm sure he's a guy that'll be in shape. He's someone that, and personally, since I've, you know, was formerly with Washington and Terry's rookie year, someone that is one of the most genuine, humble individuals that you'll ever meet um, as a player or just general as a man. Um, I have no issues with Terry. You're not going to come into camp like with what we saw years ago with, I know you guys out there know Eddie Lacy with the Packers coming in 30, 40 pounds overweight, out of shape, not able to move. That's not Terry McLaurin. Right? He's going to be ready to play. He's going to be ready to suit up as soon as he comes in. And hopefully they can get that contract done sooner than later. But I definitely expect it to be done in July sometime. But football's near. First up, couple days of OTAs. Guys have looked good. Guys are running around. No injuries. Knock on wood yet. But guys look good. Guys look fast. Guys look strong. Um, you know, it's kind of the first little fuse and, and kind of teaser as far as for the year to come as we move into the heat of the summer and into camp and into the regular season. So let's transition kind of off the field and what's been kind of going on and hearing things from the new stadium potentially and where the locations could be. And we've heard that maybe in Dumfries, Loudoun County, I was a big supporter of just tear down the historic RFK and all the success they had there, kind of build upon that area. Similarly, what the Nationals did with Nationals Park over in the Anacostia area, about right by the river, to where that area has built up over the last 10 years since the stadium opened in 08 and how that's built. And you look at facilities like in Philadelphia to where they have each stadium near each other. Wells Fargo Center, Lincoln Financial where the Eagles play, and then Citizens Bank Park where the Phillies play are all within a half mile, if that of each other. Now, Washington doesn't have that luxury. They don't have the space, especially with the Verizon Center being in downtown DC and Nationals Park kind of, it's not too far, right? It's a couple miles walk um, over near the Capitol, but I don't want to get too far away from Washington DC. Now, there are some teams around the league, Green Bay, Kansas City, where you have to drive a little bit. San Francisco, you got to take a drive. But Putting a stadium in Dumfries, any of you familiar with traveling south or north on 95, if Washington were to play a one o'clock game, trying to come home on a Sunday at 4.45 on a Sunday on 95 is absolute chaos and a nightmare. It's one of the most gridlocked areas for traffic in the entire country. So building that down in Dumfries, I would say that's, that's towards the bottom of my list. Now, Loudoun County is interesting because... Reports are saying that it may be surrounded by, you know, go around a lake out by the Silver Line, have that metro accessibility, and it's not as busy. Now, the, the DMV area, as we know, it's a metropolis. So many people, you know, east, west, north or south, it doesn't matter where you go. There's going to be tons of people. But out in Loudoun County, to the west, near the Ashburn area, or relatively close, we've seen some renderings of the practice building and the kind of the new facilities. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to see those pictures that I have up there. A new stadium isn't, you know, obviously something they just 
look at a picture and say, oh, you know, here we go. This is where it's going to be. Obviously, there's so many different contracts and inner workings and details that have to be figured out with Jason Wright, commander's president, and Dan Snyder, the owner, and all these different individuals and congressmen are all going to have to get involved with the stadium. But I think we can very easily say that FedEx Field, you know, they needed an upgrade. It being in Landover, in the middle of nowhere, it's really a concrete jungle. I mean, I'll even you know tell you guys a story when I first started with Washington. And I remember I came in to cover one of the preseason games against the Bengals a few years ago. And I remember telling myself, where's the press box? After all the years at FedEx Field, I was unsure where the press box was. Because you look around other stadiums, you can clearly look up, see glass windows, a you know big, usually square area. That's where the press box is. For Washington, it's tucked in to the back corner of the stadium. And you walk into the press box and it's outdated. You walk out of the doors of the press box. It's all concrete. There's really no culture to it. There's been obviously limited success at that stadium. Many of you think there's a curse on the field and the grass because of the amount of injuries from Alex Smith to Joe Burrow to RG3. The names go on and on and on with the amount of just just travesties and the amount of injuries and season-ending injuries, just nasty injuries that have happened on that field. It's just time to move on. Tear the thing down, get a fresh start somewhere else, get a nice modern state-of-the-art facility and build up the franchise. You got a new name, you got new threads, you got a new quarterback, a relatively new head coach, obviously moving into his third season, get a new stadium, add a new location, and just provide a breath of fresh air into the lungs of this franchise. And that's exactly what it needs. Now, we're not expecting Washington to come out this year and win a Super Bowl or or anything like that. But a fresh start is needed from an optics standpoint and a logistical standpoint off the field. Brand new stadium, new facilities, modern, state-of-the-art. Just, they need that. They have the money, do that. FedEx Field is, if it's not the worst stadium in all of sports, it's definitely up there. I mean, we've seen the videos of sewage leaks water leaks in the press box or in club suites, the options, the amenities outside of the facility. There's just really no culture to it. And then now you maybe you guys maybe know this, but even the media lot is it's called the gray lot. And it's not even in the main parking lot in front of FedEx Field that you see the big circular area around FedEx Field when you drive up to it. The gray lot is about a mile away in the wooded area that you have to walk to all the way up to FedEx Field. If you're part of the media and don't have you know parking passes or you're part of the site or a player or team personnel or anything like that, it's logistically ridiculous. And there's just so many different improvements that this franchise still has to make as an organization to really work back to relevancy. Now that may all be fixed if they start winning. It doesn't matter if they played at a high school stadium and won you know, 10, 11 games a year. Nobody's going to care where you play, right? But in a day and age when now these sporting events are becoming luxury, you look at box seats or behind home field, uh, home plate seats at a, at a baseball game. Like these are thousands of dollars. Courtside seats at an NBA game, thousands of dollars where you're getting fed lobster and steak and free drinks. They didn't have that in the 70s and 80s. Now going to these games are really for fans without a credential or you're not a, a scout or a team personnel, you can't even take a family of four anymore. And one thing about that too is 
really appreciate what the Falcons have done with their brand new stadium down in Mercedes at Mercedes Benz in Atlanta. Even the concession prices: hot dogs two dollars, waters two dollars, nachos three fifty. These aren't you go to FedEx Field and you're asking for a hot dog and a water. That may cost you sixteen seventeen dollars, and that may be on the low side. You get a beer. 20, 25 bucks. Just ridiculous. And then you go and you watch Washington lose 56 14 to Dallas. So, those types of things. It's just a lot to change, but figure it out in between the hashes and everything else will be figured out around it and the kind of the scope and the aura, the umbrella surrounding Washington's franchise should hopefully provide, you know, that stadium, the new stadium, should provide a nice breath of fresh air moving into whether it's the next two years, three years, or obviously taking you know five, six years, whatever it takes to build a stadium, kind of figure out the intricate details of finalizing that for a brand new complex. So the last topic I wanted to get into today was a comment made by Chat Peterson, a Virginia State Senator. And I want to read this quote here. And he says, I, a Redskins season ticket holder for 22 years at the time, that team defined our community, dot, dot, dot. The Washington Commanders are not that team. They have no history, no tradition, and no fan base. I don't think they have the community support to survive. And that's a fun, interesting comment made by Peterson. And first things first, obviously hasn't been a follower of the Washington franchise for as long as he says, or season ticket holder for whatever, or passionate because you think this city is passionate about sports. We saw it with the Caps winning the Cup, the Nationals winning the World Series. Heck, I'm sure some of you were even proud that the Mystics won the WNBA title just a few years ago. But Washington is a football town. They just are. And you have that success and how a team, how a city can revolve around football. We've seen in the 80s, in the 90s, just how powerful the city is when it comes to football. RFK, the seats rocking. Everyone's going, we want Dallas. George Allen in the locker room saying, die, you dogs, die, talking about the Cowboys. That is Washington. That is the Burgundy and Gold. That is the Washington franchise. Now, a lot has changed. Those faces aren't there. New ownership, new stadium, 25 years of mediocrity, if that since those days, but labeling Washington as a franchise that doesn't have the community support to survive really should get you guys out there especially more just focused on week one this year, new uniforms, new quarterback, lots of potential success this year to go out and support this team. Doesn't matter if it starts in the regular season, you guys can make it out to training camp. I personally am doing my best to try to make it down to Richmond for a few days of training camp this year. We'd love to meet you guys. But saying that about this Washington franchise, Washington is an extremely, extremely passionate city for every single sport. And all you need to do is show that guy the caps and the wizards. And then you bring in success for the commanders and how this city will come alive. This city breathes football. From the high school success that you see from Gonzaga, St. John's, even you look at with when John Allen was at Stonebridge. Then you go to college and how big everyone is about Virginia Tech. 
and Virginia and Maryland up in College Park. It's a city. It's an area that loves football. A athlete breeding ground from the prep levels up to where talent is just everywhere from down to the 757 in Norfolk up to the DMV area, out to the Eastern Shore. Then you go out towards Vienna and towards the Shenandoah Valley. That whole area is football hungry and just dying for the Washington Commanders to be good, to be relevant again, to offer a sense of pride that you guys out there and and me as well just haven't been able to feel for a long time. Now, I'm 25 years old, so... Every time I talk about Washington, literally, I was born and the franchise has just not been good since I've been alive. I really haven't seen the Super Bowl titles with Joe Gibbs, the success of Doug Williams and Joe Theismann. I've been here for the limited success with Rex Grossman, RG3, Todd Collins playing the Seahawks, Sean Taylor, London Fletcher, Ryan Kerrigan, Clinton Portis, Santana Moss, the miracle down in Dallas with Mark Brunel throwing two touchdowns to beat Dallas on Monday night. Those memories are few and far between. But from a passion standpoint, from a community standpoint, Washington, the DMV area, is a breeding ground for football. And for Washington to get back to that success, I hope that happens not just this year, but moving into five, ten years down the road of long, sustained success. And force people that make comments like that to just stay quiet and not speak on things that you're really just not informed to talk about. And it doesn't matter if you had season tickets. Don't care how many games you go to. But the passion for this franchise and the passion for the Burgundy and Gold has been around for a long time. It just hasn't been obvious because of the lack of success over the last 25 years. But that's going to do it for today's episode. If you guys missed my last pod, I did a full review of the NFC East, the rosters for New York the Eagles, and Dallas, kind of a recap of their expectations for each of their rosters on both sides of the ball and kind of how they compare to Washington. But that's going to do it for this episode. Kind of a quick hitting, probably, you know, 20-minute episode for you guys just to get in, get out with OTAs kicking off this week. But as always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. You can check me out on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. You can find our pod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods, your news, your sports, you can find us at all of my work. My written content is housed at thedraftworknetwork.com. I wrote an article on Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson and how the selection of him was a wake-up call for AG this year. But as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next time. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.